gone by The sun is setting down Welcome to Be Simply, this is she, and I want to thank you for being here in this moment. Today we're going to take a dive into cultivating joy. It's an opportunity to move past suffering. It's not easy, it's a daily practice, and it's a choice. So today we're going to walk through the quality of our mind, our heart, our soul, and our physical body for us to connect to what is at dis-ease within any of those bodies, including our emotional body. From there, we're going to examine really what joy is and how we can decide if we want to connect with abiding joy, meaning joy that is beyond all suffering. And I'll explain the differences as we move through this segment. And then we'll have some time to reflect. In addition, uh, we'll put together some practices to welcome you into a daily way of being with self so that you can experiment and see if you want to cultivate joy in your life. So what we're going to do to ground this segment is to just start by bringing your energy down to the earth where you're at. We're going to play a short segment that are Australian chants and indigenous chanting uh, brings us to the earth energy. Most indigenous cultures work with the electromagnetic field of the earth and are able to create a resonance and reconnect us to that energy. Uh, the earth's energy is holding us along with the atmospheres holding us here on planet earth and between those two we're being cradled through time and space and why i like to bring everyone to the earth is sometimes that gives us a better perspective on things that might be bothering us things that are keeping us from feeling abiding joy so without further ado we're going to dive into this segment and i would like you to find a seated position anywhere where you are, preferably on the ground if possible and that's comfortable to you. And we're going to take a nice deep breath in and then exhale out. Another one, inhale and exhale. Again, inhale and exhale. Again, inhale and exhale. Continuing to breathe gently in and out. as you gently breathe in and out just allow the sounds and the chants to bring your awareness back to your roots to the earth 
Let's bring you into the present moment. Gently breathing in and out, connecting to your heart center, bringing your awareness back to here. And as you gently just maybe digest those chants going over your body and just bring awareness in if you felt resistance around the chants or they felt soothing or intriguing or good or whatever you want to describe them as. And feel your presence. Are you more present here in this moment? 
So today we're going to talk about abiding joy and the power that we have within ourselves to experience joy. And this is a choice. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, someone does something really good for you and you're excited and that's a high and you're kind of on the same roller coaster as you would be if you were upset. Now, that is a emotion that is provoked by something that we've either done for ourselves or something else has happened to us. However, it's not abiding joy because that joy that you might f- call joy is actually uh, something that we are basing on a dualistic experience. So today, I'm going to welcome everyone to move beyond duality. So when we move beyond duality, uh, there's less grasping or no grasping at all. So the contentment we feel, the equanimity we feel is a central place of existence and it's an indescribable bliss that occurs. That bliss is a very, very powerful energy. No longer when sustained are you on a roller coaster It's your choice. The roller coaster is the excitement of going up and then down and up and down. And once we start to say, hey, I'm curious about moving beyond duality, beyond the ups and downs, until we get there, we can experience the full spectrum of emotions and all those things in life. But then on the other side of that, we have the opportunity to meet this abiding joy in every moment no matter what crosses our path. Now, the question might be, well, is that boring? Well, I don't think it's boring at all. Uh, The times that I've resided there, it's felt really special, really, really special. And then to sense when it's waning and knowing, wow, I hope I can access this again. I hope I can sustain it for longer. And with that knowledge, then it's then it's a practice to stay there, knowing that there are going to be times that you're going to be pulled out of that bliss, out of that abiding joy, uh, equanimity. And that is because there's still some inner work going on. So this is something that can take many, many lifetimes to achieve. However, you can have tastes of it along the way, and then it'll deepen. Even the times that I've experienced this bliss, abiding joy, this non-dualistic space, there's still more each time that I enter that space and then when I return back. And it's actually been a little bit more jarring as of late, feeling the 3D, the heaviness of it sometimes, meaning that even the extreme joy or the, the times where you're confronted with your internal stuff, it can feel a little heavy, like, gosh, I don't want to experience this anymore. And that's typically what happens is it's not that we grasp and just want everything to be happy. What happens authentically is we get to a place where we don't really enjoy suffering anymore. And that means we don't enjoy grasping at something we want that we think is going to make us feel good. We don't feel like we want to grasp at things that don't make us feel good. So as we experience that, judgment shifts from internal stuff, judgment shifts from external stuff, you start to see things for what they are. And bit by bit, uh, you get to learn a lot more about yourself as you liberate and approach that gateway. 
And then, like I said, in the beginning, as you keep connecting with this joy, you have the opportunity to see different faces of self and humility comes in. Humility is this opportunity to realize like, wow, I'm just not there yet. I enjoy suffering too much. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to talk a little bit more as it relates to the mind, the heart, the soul, and the body. And then we're going to listen to a little fun song and uh, a little tongue-in-cheek because uh, it's kind of the gerbil wheel that we're all on uh, for the most part. So uh, we're going to connect to the mind and the state and the quality of thoughts. So is your mind grasping? And today I had a perfect example of one of my students I was teaching. She said that her mind was just running wild. So I brought her back to two things, and this can be part of the practices you might do, because until that mind is clear, you're not going to reach abiding joy. You're not going to reach bliss. You're not going to reach beyond duality because the mind's filled. So if you're in any peace, love, happiness movements, understand that if you're teaching joy, love, peace, happiness, yet your mind is still grasping, you're teaching dualistic love, peace, and happiness. And if you are an aspiring yogi or meditator or have spiritual practice or indigenous practice, the key here is to clear this mind, to clear it completely void of thought. You utilize the mind when you need to, to problem solve, to take action, allow the neurotransmitters to what, do what they're going to do and not respond to things that cause suffering. So quality of thoughts, are you grasping? How many thoughts are you having? So way back in the day, when I used to teach with a different organization meditation, we would tell our students 64,000 thoughts a day. I haven't checked that statistic lately, but we have a lot of thoughts and they're typically repetitive. Again, these are the obstacle to reach joy, bliss, focus of thoughts. Are you, are you able to focus your thoughts on something external and internal? And this can be twofold. Are you just focusing compulsively on something over and over again? Or are you focusing your thoughts so that you can get something done? So from there, just connecting to that focus. And then the next step is um, time. How much time goes by when it's clear? You know, is it busy at night? Do you wake up with a sore jaw, tense? Uh, from dreams that are very chaotic? uh, Or are there times when your mind is completely clear? So again, this is the cue. When that mind is clear, you're that much closer to joy, bliss, moving past duality. Because there's nothing to grasp at. It's just clear. So you can access this other space. In meditation, You can access a place called the gap or the void where all things exist and do not exist. And in that space, you don't know you're really in it till you're out of it. And when you're there, it is so sumptuous. It feels so good to be there, just suspended. And what you receive is beyond words, beyond thoughts, beyond anything that you could write down on a piece of paper. But there's a great knowing coming back from it. Number two is the heart. Is it physically healthy and open? Uh, How's the quality of your emotional reactivity? 
And is the heart open or closed? Is it conditional? And what is the quality of the energy running through it? So as we're moving through a dualistic society, we're going to have a rainbow of emotions and we're going to feel it here. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel it when you're angry. You're going to feel it when you're happy, quote unquote. You're going to feel it when you're complacent. You're going to feel it when you're jealous, when you're going to feel it when all sorts of situations arise, when you're sad, you have grief, all these different things. And sometimes it's unexplainable. When the heart is in a state of equanimity, it doesn't react. It doesn't access any of these rainbows of emotions. And that's okay. If, if you're experiencing those, don't deny them. Do not deny your emotions. They're valid. They're what is for you in that moment. And over time, like I mentioned, eventually, if you are curious, you might say, I'm really tired of being on this roller coaster. And I want to see what's beyond that veil and see what it feels like. And bit by bit, you'll access little points of it, and then you might retract, and then you might re-enter, retract, re-enter, until you come to a place where you're fully in it, and you're not going to go back across that veil. And it's not easy to do, especially in this day and age, and the world that we live in right now. It's really easy to fall into all the constructs and the manipulation that kind of seduce us into grasping at different things, mentally, physically, emotionally, even spiritually. So on the next one, your soul, do you sit with it? Do you listen to it? Do you notice the aspects of self that need attention? So the soul is this beautiful essence of you. It's your eternal being that takes you from here to infinity. It's not Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) It's you. And this soul has a lot of information for you. However, what happens in the vessel that we're in, in this moment in time and space, we have other things in feeding. We have a biological system that's reacting by neurotransmission and the nature around us. We have past history that causes us to react certain ways. Yet, if you think about someone that's been on the park bench and they're in their 80s or 90s and they have all this wisdom and they might say, gosh, if I would have known this and I w- if I would have known that and if I would have known that. Well, really, they had all this wisdom from long before here. However, they weren't willing to listen. Similar to a teenager or child that's not willing to listen to their parents or a grown child that's not wanting to really listen to their parents and the wisdom that they hold for the trajectory of this lifetime. So if inspired, start listening to that soul. That soul will begin to drive you and lead you from here to the next. So as you continue to connect with this soul, do you notice the aspects of self that need attention? Do you listen to what the soul really has to offer you? Are you willing to move forward with the direction Or are you going to just re-enter that wheel of suffering? The soul will guide you if you listen. It's your choice. Some of you may ask, well, then how do I listen to my soul? And we discussed this a little bit in a class last night. Uh, Yeah, if you're going to access your soul, the easiest way to do that is to meditate, to have a practice of meditation, And take time to check in internally, be in silence with self, 
and continue to listen, continue to be with self, continue to cultivate this aspect of your entire being. So as you continue to um, listen to self, you might realize that there's a lot of things that your soul has to offer you to make things easier, to guide you to where you're going so you don't waste time on unnecessary emotions, on things that don't serve. It'll take you more effortlessly to aspects of your destiny. So the next part of cultivating joy is to connect with the physical body. How does it feel? Is there any discomfort? Is there disease? So if there is physical disease in the body, this is a sign, whether it's mental, whether it's in the physical dwelling, whether it's emotional disease, any of these things that are going on in the body inform us that we are a ways away from cultivating non-dualistic joy. And we're a ways away from being in harmony with nature. So the first cue would be, okay, I need to bring myself back into harmony, into balance with nature, the ecosystem I'm in. And then if inspired, then I would go deeper into these higher states of being. And these higher states of being give us more wisdom so that we can be more effective here on planet Earth, that we can do our best by ourselves and others. However, if we're in disease, that creates a limit for us. So what I'd like you to do right now is just to connect and be with your mind, your heart, your soul, and your body. And I would love for you to listen to this little tongue-in-cheek song by Ingrid Michaelson. It's called Hell No. So it's fun. It's just a fun song to think about how often, even through our pop culture, that we create suffering over and over again. Allow yourself just to do whatever you want as you hear this song. And when we come back, we'll dive in a little deeper to how to define this joy and to start to contextualize it so you can distinguish between emotional grasping of happiness, sense pleasure versus uh, abiding joy. So with that being said, take a nice deep breath in and out. Again, deep breath in and out. Another one, deep breath in and out. Continuing to breathe in and out. Go, promise 
Hell no. So that probably maybe inspired a little movement. Also a little tongue-in-cheek. So Ingrid Michaelson is beautiful with her lyrics and what she has to offer in song. When we grasp and we have ulterior motives, conditional motives, we continue to ride on the roller coaster of samsara, of grasping, of wanting this, wanting that. And that's fine and all good. You know, I'm not going to tell you not to do that. You have free will. You can do whatever you want. And like I said, as you access these levels of joy, this place of bliss that's beyond these roller coaster and sea of emotions, you have the ability to access higher states of being that can be of service to you here and of service to others. However, we become the obstacle. So... To define joy, as mentioned, uh, you might just even reflect in that song. How many times have you thought, gosh, if they don't act this way, then I'm not doing that. How many times have you maybe felt that, that you are conditional? I know I have. I know I still meet myself there like, wow, that was conditional. And it's, it's hard to do. I mean, if you're a parent, if you're in a relationship, if you have friendships, we become very conditional with ourselves and others. So there's this opportunity if you sort of choose to move beyond that, to see it for what it is. So when that grasping arises and when, when those conditional comments come up, it's like, whoa, you can step back. It's in those moments that such great beauty is available because when you realize, oh, I'm reacting to something that is triggering me internally and externally, and I have a choice here. Do I want to create more suffering? You know, is it going to land in my mind, my heart, my body? What the heck is my soul saying about this? If you're committed to a higher state of being, you're going to realize very quickly the truth around what's unfolding. Wow, this is an opportunity for me to rise up, to do better, to be better in this moment, to serve this moment with something that's not expected. So I guarantee you, whatever's triggering you is expecting you to be triggered. And if you respond with a trigger, then the dance continues. The wheel keeps turning. However, if you see it for what it is, you can choose, huh, I'm going to focus someplace else. I'm going to follow my soul's interests. I'm going to follow my pathway to be of service to self and others. And gosh, when I do that, it's amazing how many things are orchestrated so I can do that. I get out of the way of myself. So joy. I'm going to include an article, I hope it'll link in here, on abiding joy. And it's really talking about ancient texts, whether you read the book or not, uh, but taking you to a place beyond what we know as joy or peace, love, and happiness. And you can read the article if you wish, but what I'm saying or suggesting is that I don't think any ancient Rishi or sage or anyone has really reached that level of abiding joy and had time to stay here and write about it. I think once you sustain that, you move on. You move on from this dimensional experience and you get to go and cultivate higher states of being elsewhere. So you can take that as you wish. It may not apply to anything you believe in, but just let it roll over. And so you might ask, well, why do I need this abiding joy? Well, it, it can help you have greater understanding with how you relate to the world around you. In addition, it can help you be of service to the world around you. 
The other part is that you start to be a vessel for inner peace. And that which you express to the outer world continues to provide you with a pathway to be inner peace, inner peace. And then you become that peaceful change agent for the other human beings on planet Earth. So what I'd like to do is just that simple contrast. Are you grasping to make joy? Or would you like to have true inner peace, the embodiment of peace flowing from you? Would you like to have the embodiment of equanimity flowing from you? How would reality be different? What we're going to do is we're going to listen to a little Alec Bridges called Move. And as you do, just connect with that concept. What would it feel like if I moved through the world in complete embodiment of peace, in complete embodiment of equanimity? What would happen then? So as you contemplate that, just follow your breath in and out of your heart center and let yourself go. Just see what happens when you uh, welcome yourself to see beyond what you think you know. Would you go? 
gently inhale and exhale another one inhale and exhale again inhale and exhale And gently connecting to my voice. And just digesting maybe that which you sensed internally around cultivating joy that's beyond duality. Connecting with your freedom to choose so when we start to explore the idea of sense pleasure grasping to create something that we feel we need or want that continues to create a roller coaster of experience phenomena which fantastic we're here experiencing that However, as mentioned earlier, if you're curious what it would feel like to be in the perfect, unshakable state, to feel a sense of balance of the mind rooted in the insight, then you might decide, hey, I want to explore uh, abiding joy. I want to explore beyond that which is presented for me in the current state of affairs here on planet Earth and has existed for billions of years through many, many different societies and iterations of the human species articulating themselves together on planet Earth. So we have some givens that, you know, societies have come and gone. Certain societies have been able to operate at a higher frequency, been able to attain higher states of being here on planet Earth, and there are ones that have not. 
The common thread here is the individual, the individual expression to the whole and how it relates and how it can be of service to self and others. So you can imagine if you choose to practice a state of equanimity, uh, unshakable balance of the mind, rooted in wisdom, there's an opportunity to start to explore something beyond what is presented through the masses. And there's an opportunity to start to walk through higher states of being, which only until each self does that do does one get the opportunity to truly integrate and embody that wisdom. It's nothing that can be shared verbally. These are This is a process that's very insular, yet has profound impact on how you show up on your day-to-day life when you're being preparing yourself to do what you do when you're preparing yourself to meet the needs of the current society. So this accountability for yourself is embracing your freedom. And we have free will, something that we forget, we've forgotten. And that free will is every person's, individual person's, from the plants to the animals to every aspect of this ecosystem's right to express. And when we express that, there comes a responsibility because there are potentially, uh, or is potentially a feedback loop. And there most certainly is a feedback loop. So when we make these choices as how we want to show up and how we want to express our free will, if we're really wanting to express our free will, or if we're wanting to express ourselves through the mandate of the current set of conditions, either one, there's still a responsibility and there's still a choice. So this is something you want to ask yourself. Do I want to start to understand what free will means in this world system and in the universe? And do I want to start employing choice, realizing that in every moment you have a choice as to how you want to show up, irregardless of what you think you know, you have an opportunity to take a pause, to digest, and then engage. Sometimes it's easier to do than others. And Then the next question to ask yourself is, do you want to participate in your suffering anymore? Do you want to cause suffering anymore? And when an individual decides they really want to start practicing not causing suffering for themselves and others, this is a big task because there's a lot of uh, things to unravel, uh, patterns to unravel that are path or mapped, excuse me, through our neural pathways, through our biological system, and also through our soul body. So just by committing to this, doesn't mean that you're done. (laughs) It means, okay, this is where the work begins. And this is where we hold ourselves accountable, if you so do choose, not to create more suffering, but just to free yourself from causing suffering and uh, participating in your own suffering. As you eliminate the areas where you are suffering and where you're causing suffering to others, that is when you start to get a glimpse of what free will truly feels like and all the things that support that and all the responsibilities that go with that. And it's an interesting process to go through, and it's not one that happens overnight. If, if you will, because you're going to meet different sets, different conditions. And when you do, you'll have to acquiesce to adapt to what is being presented. So this is where I like to say this is where the 
the rubber meets the road. You decide. And you might decide today and then tomorrow something happens, you're triggered, you have upheaval and all of a sudden you're participating in suffering again. That's okay. That's where you find out, wow, I still have a trigger there. So if I'm going to free myself, I need to free that trigger. And depending how deep the attachment is, that is going to be the process that you have to go through till you're complete with that cycle. However, if you want to hold on to it, it's best to realize I'm going to hold on to this and I probably need to just digest the fact that I'm going to hold on to certain attachments, surrender to that, and then come back to this practice of really wanting to move beyond duality, move beyond suffering. So a couple clues to help ourselves move uh, from a heart space uh, and to connect to the power of equanimity and move to a place of abiding joy. First is that in equanimity, as I mentioned earlier, you're, you're embracing this perfect, unshakable balance of the mind rooted in wisdom. And I call this the I see. So when looking at this, there's an understanding of what is, and there's a separation. It's meaning that we're not imposing our own views, beliefs, and judgments on a situation. We're just being, remaining steadfast, balanced, and welcoming ourselves to objectively see what is. In that moment, that insight helps surrender internally and externally to the grasping. And that grasping with, is what becomes the resistance to the equanimity. So something pops up, we start to grab at it, and all of a sudden we've forgotten, wow, I don't want to participate in suffering, but I am. I'm the cause of suffering right now. So at that point, it's like, okay, I need to step back, objectively look at what is, and then how can I address the situation? And what do I need to let go? Is this old pattern or habit that is perpetuating this roller coaster of samsara that I am participating in and potentially impacting the fluidity of that which you're here to express, uh, the relationships that you desire to have, all these things are being impacted by uh, our grasping. So the insight, the wisdom that I see is one to identify what you're grasping at and why. And when we learn to practice uh, self-identification, self-awareness, this enables us to really start to see what's going on for other people and potentially give us the wherewithal to pull away so we don't impede what they're moving through and not add more um, to what might be coming up for them. This is compassion in work, active compassion, seeing that your brother, your sister, your partner, your coworker is going through something and then how do you navigate that to assist yourself and them. Part of this process is to give up possessiveness, no self, detachment. This allows us to move past that dualistic frame of mind that we can step into what needs to be done but we don't have to own it or possess it we are detached from it this doesn't mean that we're not responsible it just means that we reduce the ley lines that we're holding on to this is very present with parents and children there's an attachment there almost sometimes a, a strange codependent relationship can surface when uh, people are not cognizant of what the terms of that relationship are and how a parent can really assist a child in their growth, their spiritual and their personal growth versus trying to shape or mold a child to be something that they wish they would have been. 
That's an example that can happen all the time, that a parent wants to mold a child into what they wish they would have been, give them opportunities they wish they had. However, really, if we step back and look at the child on a soul level and not grasp and really attune to what their their gifts are and their life purpose, how can you assist them on their journey to interact with the, the tools that they will need to be more efficient and more of a master at their skill set. It could have nothing to do with what you do at all. Uh, I know like my brother was a photographer, enjoyed writing, filmmaking, nothing that my parents did, but they were willing to support him in his endeavors and bring him to the places that would give him the tools and the experience and the education to better his skill set versus trying to say, hey, you know, I was an engineer, so you're going to be an engineer. If that wasn't his passion and he felt an obligation to do that, then that would be a very uh, different process for both parties. So when we let go of attachment and detach from the situation, become objective, then we can start to see the virtue in moving from the heart, moving from this place of equanimity and mindfulness and awareness and internal calm one within that the virtue is you touch on integrity you find your own integrity many people look outside of themselves to have that defined for them our inner code of ethics are embedded and that code of ethics upholds our integrity it allows us to show up the way we want to show up and this is really a beautiful positive process when you know what your roles are internally, where you want to uphold your ethics, then it makes it very easy in the external world because you're like, wow, if I uphold this, I'm going to magnetize to people that have similar similar qualities and it makes relationships, it makes business, it makes a lot of things very easy. And um, there are no questions. There's just clarity. They're not all going to line up perfectly, but there's a level of being able to articulate what you represent, what you want to stand for, and where you're, you're just not going to go. And uh, this is where slippery slopes can occur, especially in different um, settings where there's business transactions and say you had a code of, of ethics that you would never steal, yet the company is setting themselves up to actually steal uh, literally or and or metaphorically. It rubs against your code of ethics over time. You're going to need to leave that environment, or it's probably going to come explosive because you're not meeting your inner code of ethics. You might say mm-hmm. that I have to stay here because of financial needs and all these things. And this is where it where it rolls us into the next aspect: that integrity, hold, upholding your code of ethics, then rolls us into a trust, a faith. When we have a trust and a faith in something higher. A higher expression of ourself internally and then how that reflects externally this helps propel us forward with a knowing when we're in that steadfast place things happen we're we're actually led very effortlessly to our destiny to situations and we're supported in a way that is much more holistic versus arduous The other virtue of this process is a well-developed mind, and that means that the mind is balanced, it's clear, it's not um, grasping at thoughts, it can be utilized for what it was intended for, to solve problems, to address what's needed in a moment, to work with the brain in a sense that it can 
actualize certain things for you. It can also actualize, you know, linear things and creative things simultaneously. And when we fill it with a lot of thoughts, we're actually encumbering ourselves from being able to do that effortlessly. In addition, this virtue of this process of welcoming ourselves into the state of being is we have a, a well-being uh, and an understanding for ourselves and for others. So this aspect of well-being means that the mind, body, the soul, all of a sudden you're in alignment with something outside of yourself. Earlier in this segment when we discussed the mind, the quality of your thoughts, what are you grasping at? The heart, the physical, emotional, are you closed? Are you reactive? What type of energy is running through it? Your soul, are you listening to that highest expression? And what are you, how are you expressing it? The physical body is a reflection of your past and your present. How are you honoring that temple so it can support you on your journey? So when we start to have this understanding, then we can start to separate our actions and other people's actions from emotional, mental, physical reactivity. We start to have an understanding as to why they might be acting a certain way, but it doesn't shift how we're going to hold an energetic field for them to support them. And this is a tough one because we all, myself included, can impose judgment on one another. We can impose what we think we know. However, if we can just state what is so, uh, the little boy is crossing the road, we might have fear come up because we're afraid they might get hit by a car. However, we're saying the boy is crossing the road, I'm going to help the boy so the boy doesn't get hit by the car. We don't then react, meaning yelling at the boy to get out of the road. We just go to the boy and help him out of the road without creating fear or any kind of drama in that situation. So by utilizing that example, all of a sudden, rather than creating any kind of suffering for yourself or the child, you see objectively what's happening. You understand what's happening. You might understand that the boy is chasing the ball. You, you realize you might see things that the boy cannot and as you see into the nature of things, then you can respond steadfast. You can meet the condition to assist, but without reactivity. So that goes back to <laughs> the perfect unshakable balance of the mind, rooted in insight. I call it the IC. And one of my favorite stories to share is um, one of the, the monk that has his whole following and in the village, uh, two villagers decide that the monk has got their daughter pregnant and that it's his child, which creates a complete upheaval. They confront him. All he says is, I see. He can see the true nature of the condition that the daughter is pregnant. They want to displace it on someone else. Uh, the following leaves him because he's supposed to be celibate, so they feel he is not upholding his his promises to his work and to what he's offering. And they deliver the child to him and tell him it's his. I see. He takes the child, keeps the child. Two years pass. And then the family comes back and lets them know that it's not his child and that they're sorry. And he says, I see. Of course, at this point, the monk is have a, has a relationship with his child. Uh, however, he sees the true nature that they've come to a realization of what is so they have the courage to step forward he returns the child to them and continues on with his life he stays steadfast throughout that whole process and that's a much different experience for him and for the child and for the family if he fought all those conditions 
that's a much different experience for everyone because it starts to create suffering. So he took the route of eliminating or minimizing suffering. I'm sure he had some internal stuff going on, but also surrendered to what was unfolding. So when we see the true nature of what's occurring around us, it enables us to separate ourselves from the actions, still hold love and compassion and support for that being, and then objectively see how we can serve it. And then in this these moments, that's where this, un, this abiding joy starts to occur. It starts to expand and bubble up, and it, the relationship you have with yourself deepens. In addition, the mind becomes clearer and clearer, less grasping, less attachment, and you have more opportunities to express your free will in its highest form. So with all this being said, if you're inspired to start just contemplating this concept, uh, I would start there as a practice. Start to try to objectively see what is occurring in any given situation with yourself and or others as just an observer. And as you observe, see how you want to engage or not engage with the situation. Let the practice start there. It's a, a, a process that we can go into deeper, maybe in future segments, but see what it feels like. See the difference uh, when we're placating sense pleasures versus objectively seeing how we can serve a situation when we get the, out of the way of ourself and what we can deliver and how that feels to be in selfless service to ourself and others. We're going to head out with a little wa, the Heart Sutra. The Heart Sutra is a mantra that's used by many different disciplines of Buddhism, but it's also used to bring self to a deeper understanding of what it means to move beyond duality. It is, it is not. And as you listen to it, allow yourself just to contemplate that it is, it is not, to be or not to be. Welcome yourself to move beyond what you think you know. In each moment, there's always a little bit more (laughs) beyond what we think we know. And over time and space, we can deepen that understanding and deepen our understanding of what's possible, what's available for us to access internally and externally. Until next time, this is She signing out with a full heart, a soft gaze, a deep bow, and a namaste. Be simply.
I'm 